Hi, and welcome to the Thriving and Surviving podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Markson, and I'm a mum, a wife, an entrepreneur, a coach, and most importantly, I'm someone that loves to make waves, break stigmas, and challenge beliefs. Think of this podcast as a wine and cheese night with your besties, sharing your deepest and darkest thoughts and struggles, but also learning a thing or two. So whether you're thriving or just surviving, this podcast is here to enlighten you, heighten you, and most certainly brighten you. So let's dive right in, and I'm so glad you're here. So I am actually feeling like I'm going to really enjoy unpacking today's topic because it's definitely something that I personally struggle with. And I was actually doing a lot of reflecting today on what do I want this podcast to be? Do I want it to be about business? Do I want it to be about parenting? Do I want it to be about health and fitness? Like what actual direction is this even going in? Um, just so that I'm like, you know, how can you market to a niche if, you know, you've got all of these random topics and it's a little bit everywhere. And then I decided, you know what, this podcast is a love project of mine. So it is going to be everything. It's going to be whatever I am feeling, whatever I am vibing that week. And look, some people might skim past some episodes that don't appeal to them, or I might attract some people that just want to listen to the ones about business. And you know what? That is completely fine because I feel like this podcast is just a gateway to my brain, basically. So yeah, I was doing reflecting today and that's what I've decided for the direction of this podcast. And I was feeling a certain kind of way about imposter syndrome and I've been reflecting on it. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to talk about it because I know I am not the only one. So I'm going to explain a little bit about what imposter syndrome is because there is five different types of imposter syndrome. So the first one is the perfectionist. So the core of this kind of imposter syndrome is the belief that unless you did something perfectly, you could have done better. And you feel like an imposter because you worry that other people think you're better than what you actually are. And I know I personally am guilty of this sometimes in the parenting space. So I was actually talking to Maddie about this the other day and I was like, oh, like I see these mums on social media and they're just like, they put all this, that content together and it's like great and it's I don't know, like it just looks so flawless. I was like, I I don't know how they do it. Like I just feel like I do not have my shit together at all when it comes to, I don't know, putting things together in a nightly, nicely tied bow and like putting them on social media, whatever else. And she was like, um, you do realize that a lot of my friends actually think your mum goals. And I was like, what? Like mine blown when to me, I feel like, I don't look, I don't think the perfect parent exists necessarily because that would just be so unrealistic. But I don't think I am anywhere near it. So for her to sort of say that, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm being a little bit too hard on myself. Um, 
but it was making me reflect because I know when I, I, I look, I adore the compliment of people saying that I'm a good mum. Nothing makes my heart happier than thinking that I'm doing a good job raising my daughters. But most times I tend to always feel like in one way or another, I am falling short and then getting that kind of praise or being put on a pedestal makes me feel like I'm a fraud because I don't feel like I'm nailing it. So that is the first type of imposter syndrome is the perfectionist. The second type, which I also <laughs> ticked that box for, is the expert. And that's where unless you feel like you know every single thing there is to know about a subject or a topic and you haven't just mastered every little element of it, then you don't feel like you've reached that level of being an expert on something, which also is ridiculous because no one knows everything about everything. No one knows everything about one thing. But, and this is something in parenting and in coaching, sometimes I'm like, what am I, who am I to even be sitting here? Who who am I to offer advice? Who am I to be a coach? Like I don't have a PhD. I've only got a postgrad and, you know, it's so hard sometimes not to, and it, you know what, it's, I've actually spoken to a lot of other coaches that feel the same way. And I think because um, our role is so embedded in social media and you're comparing your coaching, you know, your style, your marketing, everything about your business to all of these other coaches out there where, you know, we're all sharing, you know, the best bits and our highlight reel. It is so easy to feel like, oh my God, I I don't know enough. Like there's so much more to learn. Anyone that works in the health industry will know it's like, it's like unrolling a ball of string, right? Like the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know and if you're like me, who I've always been a really big like academic, it's kind of terrifying. A little bit exciting, mainly terrifying is having all of these like, oh my God, I did not know that, mind blown. Terrifying because I do want to know every single thing there is to know about parenting, about relationships, about the world. Like I am so curious and the more I learn, the more I realize I I don't know, but that's why you've probably heard me say before, like I, my mantra, I suppose, in this space is forever the student. Like I want to never stop being curious and never stop learning, but it definitely does trigger imposter syndrome vibes hard. (laughs) The third one is the natural genius imposter syndrome, which is where you basically feel like a fraud because you don't think that you're naturally intelligent or competent in something. And you, if you don't get something right the first time around, or if it takes you longer, you know, to master a skill, then you're an imposter if you're then doing well in it. And look, this really resonated with me learning more about this style of imposter syndrome, because that is exactly how I felt becoming a mum because I am not, I'm not someone that, you know, is naturally very 
maternal. I was very, very nervous to have kids because I was, I'd never had anything to do with children. I'd never changed nappy before. Um, I had very limited interaction with children at all, let alone babies. So it was, it was an area that I had no skill set in. And I found the first couple of months after having Callie, when I say couple of months, like I'm probably being generous. I reckon the first six months, so mentally hard. I felt so guilty because of how much I was resenting Tommy for going to work and like his life just kind of like kept going the way that it was before. But everything about my life, how I felt, my body, everything had changed for me. And I just thought, this is this is bullshit. This is some kind of bullshit. This is not fair. And I resented him. And then the guilt of being like, what kind of mother resents their partner? And I can, not that I ever resented Callie, but I resented the situation. And I felt so much guilt around it where I was like, what business do you even have being a mom? Like that was where my head was at because I was like, clearly you don't have what it takes. So I shared some of, like, to be honest, I was a bit MIA on social media during this time because I was very torn um, when I do have a lot of friends that have, you know, struggles with fertility and look, people that I don't know on my social media that struggle with fertility. And I was very conscious that it would come across insensitive or privileged, I don't know, to be really just bitching and moaning about how hard mum life was when I was lucky enough to grow and birth a beautiful, healthy girl. So I did suffer in silence a bit. And now that I've kind of reflected a bit more on it, I feel like it's okay to Share, hence why I'm sharing now, because I know that it is isolating and it is terrifying and it is hard. And I want to share in case there is a mum listening to this and they're in that place where it is hard and they are scared and they are feeling alone. And I just want to say it gets better. It gets so much better. But that was why I didn't share huge parts of how I was feeling initially. But I was sitting there at night just feeding Callie in a dark room, bawling my eyes out most nights. Like it was so hard, that adjustment. And I struggled to, I guess, show up on social media because I'm not someone that can be like, oh my God, sunshine, rainbows, bliss, when it felt like my life was falling apart. So I was like, I can't post anything not authentic, but I also don't want to just sound ungrateful. I don't know. It was a very mentally challenging time for me back then. But parenting did not feel like a natural skill. And it is something that I work so hard at. And I definitely, and look, this is outside looking in. Parenting is not easy for anybody. And I will never say it is. But sometimes you do see people where you just think, oh my God, you seem to just have a gift for this. Like you I don't know. You seem to just take it in your stride and it feels like I can't do that. And then when I have people saying like, oh my God, you make parenting look easy. I feel like a fraud. 
because I'm like, it's not. And if I am projecting that, like, God, I am sorry, because this is the hardest shit I have ever done in my entire life. And I've gone through some tough things in my life. I haven't just had a sunshiny, glowy life, but this is by far the hardest. And I was actually talking to um, the makeup artist that did my makeup this morning about it. And I just said, like, parenting forces you to work through your own shit in order to not project it onto your children. And even that bit alone, like, that's hard. It's hard working through your own shit on your own timeline, let alone trying to bloody speed it up to be a well-rounded, healed, have your shit together adult for your children. So this went on a little bit of a tangent, but that's the third one. The fourth one is the soloist. And that's where that you feel like an imposter if you have had to reach out or you've had to ask questions and you've received any kind of help to help you achieve whatever it is that you achieved. So look, out of all of them, this one, don't relate. I don't personally have issues with this because I'm someone that believes like your your village, your team, your partner, your friends, like whatever that looks like, part of the agreement of being in that relationship is that they are there to help and support you. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you owe them credit to your achievements, so to speak, but it, some things do take a village, like, and some, you know, it, it does make some things easier having support, sure. But I don't think that for me anyway, that that stands between me and recognizing something that I've achieved, or at least it doesn't deduct away from it. Like, look, don't get me wrong. Tommy is a very hands-on dad. Thank God. But I definitely don't let him and, and the amount that he helps downplay the achievements I feel like I'm having as a mother. So look, some people do. Thankfully, <laughs> I have one out of the five that I don't identify with. And then the fifth one. The fifth one is the super person. So this is imposter syndrome that believes that you must be the hardest working in the room or you have to reach the highest level of achievement possible. And if you don't achieve that, then you're a fraud. And I'm guilty. I mean, I have just always had, and look, this is a little bit toxic maybe, I don't know, but I've always tried to be the hardest working person in the room. Um, And I've always believed that if you are the most successful person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. And slipping into the, you know, toxic mindset of, well, I could have done more if. And that's been a really tricky one that I've been working on very, very hard since becoming a parent because literally every single thing in my life I could have done more if I didn't have children, but I do. So having to learn to be okay with giving my best with the circumstances or the cards that I have, so to speak, and being genuinely content 
with that is something that I am working on. And it is so hard watching, you know, other coaches and friends that have, you know, similar jobs, they're coaches too in the industry that don't have kids. And I'm watching their businesses just absolutely sore because they can give their heart and their soul to it. And I love that for them. But I'm going to be honest, there is a part of me that is so (laughs) jealous that I'm not doing the same even though I am making the conscious choice not to, because if I did, I wouldn't be able to show up and be the mother that I want to be. And I made that choice when we decided to have kids that if we were going to do this, if I had to pick one thing to give my absolute all to, it would be the kids and my career would come out second to that because for me growing up like that was something that I was very triggered by and I felt um, as a kid is that I wasn't prioritized to you know my parents employment and careers and it broke my heart and the idea of my girls feeling that from me I'm I'm and look maybe maybe as hard as I try they will still feel that I don't know but I'm being very conscious in learning to genuinely not just not just doing it so I don't and what I mean by that is I'm not doing it begrudgingly like I'm not watching them grow up being like oh wow like mum regrets having us or oh mum's sad or mum's frustrated or upset because you know we're holding her back no I am working hard to be stoked and joyous and blessed that I get to be their mum first and everything else will come second and that is okay. And I wish I could say that that was my default setting to feel like that, but it isn't. Like I am someone that's always been absolutely fueled by working and my career. Like Christ, I spent nine years at university. I did like 140K hex debt. Like I studied, I worked for years to build myself academically and professionally because having a career was every it was everything to me and now that I've had that shift where my children are everything to me and I can that can go on you know be sitting at 80% for a little bit while they're young because I'm not going to get these years back and that is okay and I'm making peace with that so I'm just going to run through some very generalized examples, if you will, of what imposter syndrome can feel like. So one is it's an inability to assess your competence and your skills. It's attributing your success to external factors. It's overachieving. It's thinking you have to well overprepare for something compared to other people. Self-doubt, of course. Um, Setting really, really challenging and or unattainable goals, but beating yourself up when you don't achieve them and then tearing down your own performance. So if you're sitting here being like, yep, tickety tick tick, the same as I was, so what now? So how do you deal or process or heal from imposter syndrome? So in order to start getting past it or working on it, and look, I'm right there with you on the working on it journey. I'm definitely not out the other side, but this is where there is a lot of reflection involved. So one of them is what core beliefs do I hold about myself? 
So this is, you know, taking all of the external things out of it, taking other people out of it, just you as you are. What core beliefs do you hold about yourself? And I just want you to really reflect and just think about that for a minute and just think of what they are for you. The second one is, do I believe that I am worthy of love just as I am? Now, this one is deep, and this one I actually worked on many moons ago with uh, my psychologist back then who flagged to me that the reason why I was making some really, uh, like, sabotaging, like, damaging, toxic, stupid, if you will, like, behaviors and choices, he's like, I think to your core, you don't actually think you deserve happiness and love. And I was like, wow, sir. thanks. But I actually went away and I really thought about it. And I was like, this guy's got a point. And I had to do a lot of healing. And this, you know, ties back into the first one is, you know, what core beliefs do I hold about myself? And for me, the number one core belief that I genuinely hold about myself is that I am a good person. I know I'm a good person and look, I still might offend people or hurt people, whether they be people I don't know, whether they be the people closest to me. I'm not perfect, but to my absolute core, I believe I am a good person and I do my best to show up for the people I love, to be loyal, to be supportive, to do anything and everything I can within my value system to make the people that I feel the people that I love feel loved and to make a positive change in the world. Like to my, to my core, I believe that. And because I believe that to my core, when I have, you know, trolls or people I don't know give me shit online or tell me I'm a horrible person or whatever else, it rolls off my back because I'm like, I know I'm not. So you saying that it's like, you know, someone telling me my hair's blue. I'd be like, okay, well, it's blonde. It's it's not. That's the equivalent of how little insults like that actually land on me because I am so secure in my core beliefs. And then the next one to, you know, reflect on is do I need to be perfect for others to approve of me? And I think this one is the one that perhaps I struggle with a little bit is I feel like I'm like an onion with lots of layers and I've always been so afraid that if people knew me to, I don't know, knew me, knew my flaws, that they wouldn't accept me or they wouldn't like me. So it's taken me a bit to, and I feel like I'm getting there, to be honest, getting very comfortable with being like, look, like this is who I am. And if that's not for you, that's okay. And me not taking that on board and owning that and letting it shift how I feel about myself. But where I think I do still struggle with that isn't necessarily in my personal life, but in my professional it fit like in my professional life, it feels like to be, you know, to have a successful business and to you know, have a giant thriving client base. I have to be the perfect coach. I have to be available 24-7. I have to have an answer to every single question. I've got to, you know, be the right kind of coach for every single person. And 
trying to be everything for everyone is probably unrealistic. <laughs> but I don't know. I I I love all of my clients and they all have such individual journeys and individual needs and I want to be I genuinely want to be the person that helps them break the yo-yo diet stigma that they're caught in that helps them be happier and healthier like I want to be that for them and I guess sometimes this is where you know this ties in that I feel like I have to be perfect in order to be a good coach and I put a lot of pressure on myself so look maybe I'll just keep using this to motivate me maybe I'll reflect on it a little bit I don't know but that's where this last one is probably what's standing between me and completely coming out the other side of imposter syndrome. Now, imposter syndrome is not an official, you know, psychological diagnosis, but if you are struggling with any of the things that I have mentioned in this episode, I highly recommend booking in, go and see a psychologist, a psychiatrist, whatever tickles your fancy. Psychologists, you know, I feel like is a much more affordable option. Psychiatrists, as I've learned, are incredibly expensive. And actually starting to unpack and work through these things with a professional. I've said it before, I will say it again. Mental health is no different to physical health. You hire a coach or a nutritionist to improve your physical health. You hire a psychologist or a psychiatrist to improve your mental health. And every single person has room for improvement in both. There is no shame in getting psychological help. It is, I cannot recommend it high enough. As someone that has done a lot of it in my years, recommend it because it helps you grow so much as a person. And I feel like the amount of growth I've had as a person has been so fundamental in helping me be the kind of mother that I want to be. So I am just going to end it with that is if you're ticking some boxes here, look into it, explore it, book an appointment and just see how it goes. It's not a big scary thing. Just dip the toe in. That is all for this episode. I hope you found it as interesting listening to as what I did talking about it and reflecting on it. But until the next episode.